If you've got a Bible, go to Philippians chapter 4. We'll start a brand new series uh, called Contentment Culture. Do you know, uh, here in America, there's not a whole lot of contentment in lives. Amen? Okay. Y'all live in a different country than me. There's not a lot of contentment uh, in our society. As a matter of fact, everywhere we look and everything we do, it's to... uh, it's to inspire discontent in our lives. You know, good marketing inspires discontent in your life. You look around at what you have, and it's not what you think you should have. Um, I, I, the, the new iPhone came out. How many of you? How many of you? Now, listen. It's not an indictment. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick on you. I promise. How many of you have the brand new iPhone 11? Raise your hand. Uh, I saw a commercial, and you guys are already behind because you only have three cameras on your phone. I saw a commercial, and now there is a phone that has four cameras. So you're already one camera behind. I I asked my wife, I said, what's going to happen when the whole back of the phone is just cameras? You're not even going to be able to hold your phone. They'll have to make a handle on the side of it. And then what you're going to have is a camera with a phone on it. Amen? And, and, and everything that happens in culture is to inspire or to, to cause discontentment in our lives. And, uh, and we want to talk to you, and we're going to, uh, we're going to talk about four different areas of, of contentment and, uh, and how we achieve contentment in our lives. If you've got a Bible, go to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 10. Says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Listen to the Apostle Paul here. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I've learned to both be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Wow. Let me read it to you out of the message. I'm glad in God, far happier than you would ever guess, happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me. Not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me. You just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I've found the recipe for being happy whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, whatever I am. I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Whoa. Listen, just that one sentence right there, if you don't have a a message translation, it's worth buying a translation of the message just so you can buy it and go highlight that one sentence right there. It's so good. Let me read it to you again. Whatever I have, whatever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. I don't mean that your help didn't mean a lot to me. It did. It was a beautiful thing that came alongside me in my troubles. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. 
It is the only change agent on the face of the planet. And I pray right now, Lord, at the very fabric of our souls that change starts. Lord, a revolution of change right now in the hearts of your people. Lord, a personal revival, if you will. A revival that leads us to you and our identity in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, Scripture speaks pretty much on every topic we can think of. Anything you can think of, Scripture has something to say about it. But most of us, you know, when, when, when we think about the things of life, we spend or we get our advice or our knowledge from other places. Uh, we, spend, uh, we spend our time trying to, uh, trying to keep up with the, with the Kardashians. Um, we, uh, we get our parenting advice from the Grizzlies. Uh, we, we look for our new home on House Hunters, right? Come on, somebody. Um, we, uh, we, we go through all of those things. We, we, we find out and we, we want to go on vacation from the last dream vacation we saw. Um, and and we, we buy the cars that we see in the magazines. But I want you to know that all of those things are engineered in order to get a prescribed response out of your life. And most of that prescribed response that it desires is that I don't have enough and I'm not good enough right where I am with what I have. You know, here's, here's the reality of things. If we didn't have television, we wouldn't know what we had or what we didn't have. When I was growing up, um, I, I grew up relatively, um, I'm trying to think of the way, a politically correct way to say it. Um, Wealth challenged. Let me say it that way. I grew up wealth challenged. But, you know, I didn't know that I was. Uh, when I went to school, I didn't realize that people had things I didn't have. Um, I didn't realize that, that my three shirts were different than everybody else's three shirts. I didn't realize those things. It wasn't until I got much older and somebody told me what I was supposed to Come on, somebody. And somebody told me what I was supposed to have that... I didn't realize I had, I didn't have those things. I won't ever remember, I won't ever, I won't ever remember. If I didn't remember, I wouldn't be telling you, right? I won't ever forget the time that, uh, that I was playing in a, in a countywide, on a countywide all-star baseball team in Little League. And I showed up to practice and somebody told me my glove was no good. And, uh, and I remember thinking, man, I must really be some more ball player if I can feel these ground balls with this glove and he's got that glove and he can't feel them. I remember thinking that, y you know what, if I had that equipment, I could be a professional baseball player. And then my pursuit of gear that was going to make me the best baseball player in the world began. And I didn't realize that, you know, there's some ability and nothing I buy is going to make me faster. Amen. And at some point, I don't know exactly what point that was, I began to look around and realize that, hey, the only chance I have to be better is just to simply outwork the people around me. That there's no things that can make me better. And what I want you to understand through this series is that by contentment, I'm not talking about comfortability. 
I'm not just talking about being resigned to where you are and, and, and thinking that this is all God ever has for you because that's not the reality of what Scripture says. But the Apostle Paul himself in this, we, we get so consumed by saying that, hey, I'm comfortable having a little, but he also said I'm comfortable having a lot. Contentment is not about what we have. It's about who we are and where we look to for that supply. Contentment is about understanding that where we are and when we are is the exact place that God has placed us and if we are faithful in the level in which we are, that God elevates us. And contentment is about not being so consumed and so overwhelmed with the things that we don't have that it cancels our faith and we stop growing spiritually. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, it says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now let me, let me stop right there. I, I want to I speak something into you. You are more valuable than all the rest of creation. I, I, I want, I want, you are more valuable than all the rest of creation. You, 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 you are you are. The apple of his eye. You are the pinnacle of his creation. He created everything else including the earth itself. And he said that is good. But when he made you, he said that is very good. You are one God very above everything else. And that's enough. Amen? Which of you by worrying... Now now listen, I know... The reality, I should just be able to read this and say amen and close. I'm not going to do that, however, so I did not say that I was about to close. So don't say, Pastor, close 12 times today. That's not what I'm saying, but I should be able to read this line and and you'd be transformed. Come on, somebody. But the reality is you've read this before and you're not, so we're going to go a little deeper into the rest of this passage of Scripture. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? How many times, don't, don't raise your hand, have you personally sat in my office and told me about your, your woes and I look at you and say, worrying's not going to change anything. The first pastoral advice you will ever get from me, no matter what it is, I'm going to say, worrying won't change a thing. No matter how much you cry, it will not change a thing. I remember one time, now listen, this, I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all, this is a joke. Okay, so this is a joke. So one time, Angie and I, we were talking about going on vacation. And, uh, and we were talking about going somewhere. And she said, well, I, I, don't, I don't want to go overseas. I said, why don't you want to go overseas? She said, well, I'm, I'm scared to get on an airplane. I'm scared to fly. And I said, baby, don't you know that if it's your time to die, and if you're supposed to die in a plane crash, that a plane will crash through our roof and hit you sitting on that couch right now? 
So she stood up. She hadn't sat back down on the couch ever since. Listen, you worry about things that are so far out of your control that it's absolutely humorous when you take an altitudinal view of the things you're worrying about. You're worried about things that could happen at the end of this year. You're worried about whether you could catch coronavirus. Let me go ahead and clear things up. You can't. You can. If you're alive, you can catch it. But chances are you won't. Use some soap and some hand sanitizer. Keep your mouth off dirty surfaces. Did y'all see those people licking up? Never mind. Never mind. I'm about to go down a rabbit hole that I'm not going to be able to recover from. But worry and fear. I didn't mean to stop here, but I'm going to stop. Worry and fear over that tiny little microscopic bug is paralyzing our country. Let me explain something. When the CDC tells you you should be prepared for things, let me tell you what that means because they didn't tell you what it meant. It means that you need to have stuff at your home so if you get sick, you don't have to go make other people sick buying cough medicine. It doesn't mean so you can hole up in your house so you don't have to see anybody like the zombie apocalypse. That's not what it means. It means get enough cough medicine for two weeks so if you get sick, you can just stay at home, buy you some ramen noodles and stay at home and listen, do not come to church. This sermon will be posted On Monday, listen to it. But if you're sick, it's okay to stay at home and give online. (laughs) Online giving was designed for such a scenario as we're facing right now. Supposed to only be talking about contentment of more. So let's continue. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider... The lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? I, I want to I point out something. That reference thrown in the oven... We, we, see the, we, we see this correlation to being cut by the roots and cast into the fire. He's saying, listen, there's even an element of his grace that goes out to the lost. That just by being humanity, there is a provision from God. Therefore, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for all these things the Gentiles seek? For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Do, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow, for tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He says, listen, 
take care of what you can take care of and what you can take care of is today. Seek first the kingdom. Contentment comes when we seek the kingdom and we get our identity from Christ, not from things. And God doesn't care if you have things. God only cares when you begin to take your identity from those things and not from him. Amen? He's so concerned with this that, that you know, we, we, we read that chapter and we don't fully, or we read that passage, but we don't fully understand. I want to just go over, just, just quickly, the whole chapter with you. I, I want to I wanna read. In, in, in verse 1 of chapter 6, it says, Take heed that you do your charitable deeds. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. In verse, in verse 5, he says, And when you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. In verse 16, Moreover, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Verse 19, do not lay up treasure for yourselves on earth where moth and rust can destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust can destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. He says, listen, if what you're doing, watch this. The key to number one, the key to contentment is examine and ask yourself this question. Is what I'm doing, is it to be seen by people? Am I doing something to position myself to be seen by people? Not the Jesus in me, but are the things I'm trying to acquire and the things I'm trying to do, are they to impress people or are they to find contentment and find my identity in Christ? When is enough enough? When do we reach that point where we look and say, God, you know, I'm okay Just being me. Steve is okay just being Steve. I I had an epic moment with God. I've shared it from the stage a few times. We were uh, were pastoring a church plant and everything was going well. And man, I had, listen, I I had preached one of those sermons that moved heaven and earth. Um, I, it was just, you know, people came to the altar weeping and, you know, it was just, it was powerful. And then I got in my car and on the way home, the enemy just, he really likes to mess with my head. Anybody else in here like that? And, uh, and I get in my car and I'm on my way home and he speaks to me and he says, boy, you really manipulated those people today. And boy, that just, I was like, oh my gosh, I did. 
And then it went from, now listen, this is how, this is how the enemy works. It went from me having the power, because that's what he said. He said, you, have the, you really manipulated those people today. So it went from me having the power to manipulate people with my own words. Come on, somebody. To, boy, I'm a terrible preacher. Now, I don't even know how those two things make sense. And I remember driving and tears just running down my face and, and, and saying these things. And I remember the people that I said, God, I will never be able to preach like T.D. Jakes. I'll never have that authority like Rod Parsley. I'll never be funny like Jesse Duplantis. God, I, I'm just, I, I'm never going to be a great preacher. And I remember the Holy Spirit, just like he just moved in the car. And he sat down and he said, Steve. He said, I've already got a T.D. Jakes. I've already got a Rod Parsley and a Jesse Duplantis. What I need is a Steve Stewart. Amen. And you may not realize it yet, but you're the best one I got. Amen. I said, wow. Nobody can be me like me. Nobody can be Steve like me. And I remember in that moment realizing what the Apostle Paul was talking about, that no matter what, I can be me. That in that moment, Christ is enough. That his identity in me is enough. And that I don't have to do things to impress people. If you look at me and you think, Pastor is not very impressive, good. I've never once set out to try to impress you. I only try to please God. And if you were impressed by that, great. You're impressed by the same thing Jesus is. And that's a good place to be. Philippians chapter 3 verse 2 says, Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Now listen, Paul is about to list a list of achievements. See, Paul may have been climbing a different ladder than you were climbing, but he was climbing a ladder nonetheless. Paul's goal was to climb the hierarchy of the church. He was, he was Jewish spiritual royalty, so to speak, and he was climbing a ladder. He, he had his goal set on something that was, that was only attainable to a few, and he begins to read off his resume and his accolades. He says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, listen, blameless. But what things were gained to me, see here, okay, here's the thing. He said, listen, these things weren't gained to the kingdom of God. 
These things were gained to me. This was about me climbing the ladder. This was about me wanting more even when God wasn't positioning for more. This was me wanting to go and get more of my own strength and of my own power. I'm just going to go get mine and take whatever I can. And I'm going to build this kingdom. I'm going to build Paul's kingdom. I'm going to build my kingdom. I'm going to get the things that everybody else wants. So everybody looks at me and says, Booyah, he must be something great. But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Listen, key to contentment. That I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him. That I may, that I may know him like nobody else knows him. This word, know, is the Greek derivative of a, Hebrew word, that Hebrew word is found in the book of Genesis when Adam knew his wife. It's to have a, a personal relationship. It's to have a relationship that is private to the two of you, that, that there is exchange of things that's only meant for inside that covenant relationship. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word of intimacy. It's not a sexual word. It's an intimate word. It's the word of creation and, and birthing. It's a word of something being conceived. It's a word that, that, that this relationship is going to cause me to have something born in my life that wasn't there before. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death by if any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul says the key to being content is not reaching this magical financial number or having a certain thing. It's about knowing Christ and understanding Christ is for me And I'm for him. It's this relationship where we share all things knowing that at the end of the day, no matter what state I find myself in, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not necessary that I can overcome it, but I can get through it and I can survive and I can have joy and I can have peace in the midst of everything, in the midst of me looking at what other people have and I don't have because if I have Jesus, it's enough. Jesus is enough and I will remain faithful on the level he has me at until he sees so fit to elevate me. And listen to me, when he elevates me, I will rise up a level and I will live faithfully there too. Listen, it's easy to to move this in in the lesser direction that, oh, just be faithful making minimum wage. But will you be faithful when he carries you to a quarter of a million dollars a year? 
Because it's not just being content in what you don't have. It's also being content when you can have anything. And you choose to live the same way. Clay, I think you can get ready. I had an opportunity, and some of you won't know this name. Um, there is a, a, a man who pastors a church uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. His name's Tommy Barnett. Uh, Pastor Tommy is one of the greatest kingdom builders in America. He has mentored and poured into more people more pastors than, than anybody I can think of. And he was invited here uh, to speak. And uh, I had an opportunity to, uh, to go to the airport with the person that was going to pick him up. And, um, and we got to the airport. When we got to the airport, um, back then, you know, you could go to the gate and meet people like in the movies. Not, not like reality like it is now. And uh, we went to the gate and, and we stood there and, you know, we were both very familiar with what Pastor Tommy looked like. And we waited and everybody got off the airplane and we were smiling. Because that's what he told me. He said, listen, if you go with me, you've got to smile. I said, I can do that. I smile. We were smiling. Everybody got off the airplane. Pilot got off the airplane. The crew got off the airplane. And he looked at me and he said, I can't call them and tell them we lost Pastor Tommy. I said, I'm not calling them. It's your church, not my church. So we got in the car. We went back. and He's just gone, man. Didn't know where he was. A few hours later, he called me and said, we found him. I said, what happened? He said, well, he took an earlier flight. I said, okay. Well, why didn't he wait for us? He said, he rented a car. I said, okay, great. And uh, he said, he had to go to Kmart because he got something on his shirt. I said, we would have took him to Kmart. He said, no, we wouldn't have either. He said, we wouldn't have taken him to Kmart. We would have taken him to the most expensive store we could have found. And we would have bought him a shirt. But he doesn't like those shirts. He likes Kmart shirts. He said, he's been driving around Gainesville for the last few hours praying for our city. And the reason he took an earlier flight is because he didn't want to be picked up in a fancy car. He didn't want to be treated like a celebrity. He just wanted to be with people. And then this guy's voice broke a little bit. And he said, man, I won't be like that. It's not about not having the nice things. But it's about understanding why you are who you are. You are who you are because Christ died for you. 
and what was born in you at the moment of salvation. Not the covenant that you have and all of the things that are part of that covenant, including increase, including all of those things. But what was born in you in the immediacy of your salvation experience was a compassion for humanity. A desire to live like nobody else so that you can reach people that nobody else can reach. In Philippians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul reaches this incredible conflict, Bonnie, in his life. It's just... He reaches this conflict in his life and, and he calls it a conflict. He said, listen, I'm caught between these two things. It's a hard place, he says. He says, listen, because the better thing for me is that I go and be with Jesus because I've run the race. Kept my eye on the prize. I've, I've fought the good fight. Listen, Alexander the coppersmith has done me much harm. I've been in a shipwreck. I've been bit by a snake. I've been stoned. I've been beat up. I've, I've been through it all. And, 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 and the, the best thing for me is to go and be with Jesus because I know there's a reward for me there and there's peace for me there and there's rest for me there, but I know that it's better for you that I stay. And this is what he says. He says, for me to live is Christ. But to die is gain. Do you realize that where you're positioned right now, you are in that great thing that every negotiator looks for, a win-win. Because if you live and you live for Christ, you're going to impact humanity and you're going to find contentment in who you are and you're not going to be in that rat race of always having more, of always needing something that you don't have because it's not about those things. It's about who Christ is and who He's building you to be. And when you do die, if you do get coronavirus and you don't make it, Are you going to let the devil threaten you with heaven? He's going to use heaven as leverage to keep you in fear? Come on! Church, your identity is you are like Christ. Your identity is the one that he died for. Your identity is you are above and not beneath. Your identity is you're the head and not the tail. Your identity is that you're more than a conqueror. Your identity is that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Your identity is that you overcome by the word of your testimony. The blood of the lamb, your identity is that you are marked and identified and chosen as a child of God. Your identity is that you are an heir and a joint heir with Christ. Your heir is that you are the seed of Abraham by faith. That's who you are. 
take comfort and rest in that. And listen, quit worrying about those things. And just seek Jesus. And when you seek Jesus and you're faithful where you are, He may choose to elevate you to a new level for you to be faithful on. And when you're faithful there, He may choose... He may choose to elevate you to a new level. Quit trying to jump levels and just understand who you are right now because tomorrow's going to worry about its own. But today, right now, today, I'm talking about right now. Not talking about yesterday when you messed up or when you got hurt. I'm not talking about tomorrow when you might get coronavirus. I'm talking about today. Right now, right here, today. Jesus can make you more than you ever thought you could be. That right now, today, you can find your identity in Him. That right now, today, those worries and those things that are ripping you apart on the inside can melt away in His presence because He says, you can do all things. You can get through anything. You can get through anything. Kevin, sir, you're going to get through it and you're going to be a testimony to the doctors because of who you are in Christ. You can make it. You can make it. You're going to be just fine. You're going to be just fine. We're all going to be just fine. Let me close with what I opened with. Everybody stand with me. I'm glad in God, far happier than you would ever guess, happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me. Not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me. You just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content where, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with a little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am. I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I break the hold of the enemy and the desire, the ungodly desire for more, for the sake of more. Lord, I... I bind that unhealthy compulsion, Lord. For gain, for the sake of gain. And what I pray is for an identity that allows us to be faithful where we are until you choose to elevate us, Jesus. That when we go to work, we, either, we are the best employee in the company because that's who you called us to be. That we're the best husbands to our wives because that's who you called us to be. 
Lord, that we're the best sons and daughters because that's who you've called us to be, that we're the best employers, that we're the best citizens, that we are the best because that's who you've called us to be. Until you move us from where we are, we'll find ourselves content in you, Jesus, doing your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.